Well, here we are again. We're going to start a small business, and this will be the final podcast and webinar in our series of Zoe's Club Educational Workshop, but I've already started thinking about what I can add to the program. But for today, we're going to talk about starting a small business. Now, this is something that I absolutely love to talk about. Once again, remember, we're for educational purposes only. I want to reemphasize it does not take the place of a lawyer, an accountant, a financial advisor. It's just strictly to get you motivated to think what it takes to do what you want to do to be successful in life. So when we look at a business, what type of business do you really want to be in? There are actually three types. Do you want to be in a service business like a hairdresser, a mechanic? Are you wanting to sell a product? It could be wholesale, retail, could be furniture, could be anything out there that is product-based, or it could be the new caveat is online. You might be a blogger, or you might be like me, a webinar or podcast type of person. You just love to talk. Well, you know what? There's lots of ways you can make money, and you have to start a business, but you have to do it right. So in my business objective or marketing plan, exactly what kind of business do you want to do? You really, really, really have to solidify that. What do I want to start doing? And who's going to use the business that I've started? That's very important for you to think about. You can start any type of business, but if nobody uses it, it doesn't matter. How about how public is it going to be and how am I go- how's the public going to know I'm in business? So how are you going to get the word out you're there? And when do you want to start? These are things you need to think about. When do you want to start running your business? Because all these timelines are important. So when you're looking at your marketing survey... And once you've identified your prospective business you're wanting to start, who has been in that type of business in the past? Did they successfully complete the task or did they close within a certain window of time? You know, there are many types of businesses that get out there and they don't realize exactly how long it takes to be financially stable in a business. They think, oh, I'm going to open this cupcake business or I'm going to open this decorating business or I'm going to sell from uh, network marketing. So they start network marketing and they don't realize it takes a while to get strong. For a restaurant, it takes anywhere from five to seven years. For a beauty shop, it takes at least three years to be a strong business. So you have to figure out how am I going to actually successfully complete this job? So how many people in the past opened and closed? But how many are currently open in that field? And once again, what's the projected market of how the market's going to shift in the future because a lot of things can be detrimental. For instance, if I'm opening a cupcake business, and I love cupcakes, so I'll use that one. So I'm opening a cupcake business, and I'm deciding that I'm going to sell all these cupcakes. How many cupcake businesses are there? Well, what happens if the nation decides that everybody is fat and they need to lose weight? So they put this big campaign about obesity going out in the country. Well, what happens to those cupcake businesses? Unless they come up with a low-fat one, all of a sudden, what used to be a a nice specialty item all of a sudden becomes a, oh, you can't go eat that. We have to go to the juice bar or the fruit market. We can't eat that. So therefore, what happens to the 20 cupcake businesses that opened? You have to think about that. I just use that for an example because I do love cupcakes. So in any business, you have to have a strong strategic plan. That strategic plan we've talked about before, we're going to talk about again because you cannot emphasize it enough. What is your mission statement? Why are you doing what you're doing? 
What are your core values? What is the strength behind why you're doing what you're doing? What is your vision? What do you want to do in the future with your business? Have you done a SWOT analysis, those strategic strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats that are going to be with your company? What about the objectives? Those objectives of why you do what you do. Those long-term and short-term goals, the action plans, and the funding stream in and out for your business. You really have to stop and really concentrate on those areas. I can pop through them within five seconds, but on the same side, this is where your meat is on your company. If you don't really hone in your strategic plan, you will fail period. There's no way around it. There's no jumping over the bars to get to this. You have to do the work. So know your team. Who's in leadership in your team? Who are you going to have taking the decision-making processes and do they have the knowledge? You know, I've seen companies fail because they've hired the good old buddies. They might have been best buddies all the way since high school or even elementary and they decided they want to hire Jimmy from, you know, their second grade class because they know Jimmy and they like the fact that he wore Nike tennis shoes back when he was little and he dressed cool, so Jimmy's cool. So Jimmy needs to be the vice president of my company. Does Jimmy have the knowledge that it takes for you to be successful? Does he have the backbone it takes to make those hard decisions sometimes? What about the team players? Are they team players or are they super chickens? Are they those team players that are willing to go the extra mile for everybody in the team and not take all the credit? Or are they ones that just want to be the peacock? They want to show everything they've done and it's all mine, mine, mine. So listen to their vocabulary. What are they saying? What about your external business suppliers? You know, are you buying wholesale from another country or are you buying wholesale locally or are you using uh, different vendors is all your vendors going to be in the same type of um, area so you've got shipping costs you have whether it's even accessible or not so these suppliers are going to be key ingredients what if one supplier you buy most of your stuff from one and that one closes i know a company that they had a business that was quoted as made in the usa and the key ingredient to their business could no longer be bought in the usa it could be imported for pennies on the dollar for what they were doing. But their slogan was made in the USA. What were they going to do with that? That's a hard call. Do you change your slogan or do you use your ethics and go ahead and buy from USA and go ahead and find a new supplier that can take care of your need and spend five times what you would have instead of importing it? These are key things you need to think about with your suppliers, your business suppliers. What about your networkers, the ones that are actually going to be helping you to get established within a region or within a specific field? Do they have a strong history or a strong background reputation that's going to help you have a solid business or are they maybe from the past? I'm still stuck in the past. And, you know, sometimes I go through that same thing. I'm trying to figure out how to do certain things and I have to look at it. Where am I at in this scheme of things? And how can my group of people, my team, my tribe help me to motivate to get to that next level or that next step in business? What about your competition? You have to know your competition. They always say, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. You got to know what your competition's doing, guys, because they are going to watch everything you do. I get told every day, you know, we saw what you did. We know what you're doing. We, we see what's going on. They're watching you. So are you watching them? Or are you just thinking, oh, you know, put my blinders on, go tunnel vision, do what I need to do? No, look at those guys. 
they are watching you, you watch them. What about your advertising team? You know, this is where it's tricky. You can't wear every hat in a business. You cannot do it. So you have got to have a great team that's going to help you to get your advertising done. Whether it's radio, whether it's TV, whether it's newspaper, whether it's social media. Unless you are just a fantastically wonderful, talented person that has more than 24 hours in a day that you can produce absolutely everything, you better have an excellent team. So I always cherry pick the very best because I want the very best on my team because they're going to help teach and lead me to the correct decisions I need in advertising. So when you're doing all these expenses and you're writing your expenses down for what you've projected your business business to be and you're doing that budget, you need to figure out how much it costs for you training to be better at what you're doing. Whatever anybody does, if they don't ever strive to be better at it, it will become stagnant fast and fail. So you've got to have additional training forever. So you need to budget that. What about the facility? What you're renting or owning or the equipment that you're using, you have an expense there and you have to calculate that in the cost of doing business. For instance, when I had a beauty shop, I had uh, my supplies, I had my beauty shop equipment, and I had certain pieces of equipment that I had to replace yearly. You have to calculate all of that in, what it costs to do that business. What about your license, city, state, county? What about your specialized license? Like for me, I had hairdresser's license. I had a beauty shop license. So you have to keep those licenses up. You have to maintain a certain level of education to continue that license. So you want to make sure you keep that cost in there. And what about your startup costs? Now, see, your startup cost has two options. You can either depreciate your startup cost or you can take it off originally right at the beginning but it, when you do that that's where you need the tax advisor to help you calculate which is the best choice to depreciate or to do it you know in some businesses like a construction business they'll sit and they'll look at the cost and they'll depreciate it over seven years time or four years time or whatever the job length of that time is they'll do all the calculations for their expenses and if they make one dollar it's worth it for them to do that job for one dollar and I'm like one dollar profit is not good <laughs> I'm thinking no but he said but David look at this you're actually paying how many employees you're taking care of your company because you've got all of your expenses of your company completed you've paid yourself a salary because that's in that calculation and if you make a dollar you do the job but if you don't make a dollar you don't do the job it's very simple know your startup cost what about your monthly expenses you will have them. You have to calculate them in there and you have to kind of guesstimate about what they're gonna be. I'll use the hair industry as an example. I was a hairdresser. It takes $4 to clear $1 in the hair industry. So for me to make $25,000, I have to actually produce $100,000 worth of hair. But in the furniture business, if you can have five to 10% profit margin, you're doing wonderful. In some things like, um, for instance, appliances, sometimes there's only a 5% profit margin on a company. By the time you calculate your roof, your electricity, your shipping, your product, your salesperson, your insurance, everything, it could be just 5%. So when you're looking at 5% versus 25%, you're thinking, hey, that's pretty good that you got 25%. Well, you have to do $100,000 worth of hair to do 25 
$100,000 worth of income for the year, that's tough. You know, you're calculating how much taxes you're going to have to pay because you're not having somebody else subsidize those taxes as a business owner. You're doing the whole bit. So you have to stop and think of every bit of this when you're looking at it. What about your supplies? This is where a lot of holes in your pocket happen with a business. They will buy top of the line or they will buy too much trying to save a little bit of money. And in doing so, it'll get old or it'll be bad and they have to throw it away or it didn't sell as quickly as they thought they would or they didn't find a partner that maybe they could split a case with. You know, a lot of times you'll find somebody who can split a case so that you can get that great price, but you're not paying for a hoe case because you won't use it. Those supplies actually eat up profits. You would be surprised how much those little packages of ketchups actually lose money. Profit for a restaurant just strictly because somebody just grabbed a whole handful and threw it in your bag whenever you went to go to fast food. And you and I both know now you have to say, can I have ketchup, please? That's why, because that little 15 cent package of ketchup wound up being all of their profits eat up. And what about your staff? Are your staff working optimum or are they doing the barely theirs? You want an optimum staff that's going to work their hardest for their company for that profit that you're trying to reach so that they have a stronger business to work for and they have a better salary because they prove that they're willing to work for it. So you need to know your competition and this is where it gets tough. You need to know their strengths, their weaknesses, and how you're going to compare against it. Their location. Sometimes just moving locations can make a huge difference. What about the cleanliness of that location? And this is huge. I don't know how many times I go into a business and I will see dirt on the floor or I'll see spider webs on the ceiling or I'll see just big gashes in the wall or scratches that they didn't clean up. You know, it doesn't take long guys to wash a wall or to clean up. Just do it. What about their brand message? What are they saying? If I go into a restaurant and it's messy and my brand message is that I'm the cleanest restaurant out there, does it qualify? No. You have to think about that. What about your staff's reputation personally and customer service wise? Do they have a good reputation as being a kind person and do they have great customer service? I had a waitress I worked with one time. She fussed all the time and she would give it to those customers that would come in and she'd say, well, why don't you go pour your own coffee if you want another cup? You have to think about this. That is not good business. You have got to take care of your customers. What about your updated design? You know, you might have created a restaurant or you might have created a, a business establishment and at the time you created it, it was in style. Well, I will tell you design changes anywhere from every four to six years. There's a little bit of shift every year that happens because there has to be a color change, a specialty change. Last year it was boxwood. This year it's cactus and succulents. You know, last year it was your greens and, you know, pretty Kelly greens. This year it's the, you know, the olive green and it's the peachy color. Next year it's going to be golden yellow again. I'm sure, you know, it's going to hit those rust colors again because it'll be a 10-year transition that it flips. So you have to stop and look at that. Is your design for your business up to date? Now I'll tell you in business, typically it takes three years for a business to grow and then after a product to sell and then after three years it plateaus for two years. So that's where it's kind of being stagnant. So then after those two years of it being stagnant, it either raises or lowers in sales. You'll either sell more or you'll sell less. 
So you have three years to get your game plan for the two years plateau because before that two years plateau, I want to come up with a new design. It can be a little costly in some ways, but if you do it right, it's not near as costly as the loss you're going to receive because you're going to look out of date. So you want to do three years, be planning, watching the market to see how it's shifting because that shift is important so that you can beat that two-year plateau because you do not want to lose sales. So look at that. Know your competition. What about the education for you and your competition? Are they staying up? Are they mismanaging their money? Is their product consistent? You know, I had another restaurant in town I was friends with, and I had purchased from this company forever. David and I have been married 33 years, so I've been buying from them ever since we got married and moved to town. I noticed that the cookie changed. Now, I'd been eating that cookie for a long time, and that cookie changed. And I said, hey, this cookie's changed. The size has changed. The texture's changed. They messed with the recipe. They were trying to save money by cutting back on certain things, and in doing so, their cookie had changed, and so did their customer. That company is no longer here. You have to be consistent with your product. If you are not consistent with your product, once you've identified your level, you will lose because people do know when they have been changed. Just look at some of the products that are out there now that they've adjust sizes, and they say, you know, here's two for you to share, and yet the two for you to share is a lot smaller than the one would have been. It's just cut in half now. So look at those things. You know, it's important for you to think about it. So the market cycle. How many businesses have opened and closed in the last four years and how do you measure up? Has the supply and demand changed for that product or service? And what's your position in that market? Where are you going to sell? Where's your price point going to be in that market that you're trying to go in? I have a cousin found out recently that she has a huge online presence, that she has a lot of following. She has a blog that she does and she just does simple lifestyle living. She was uh, recognized in one of the national publications, and her mother-in-law was just so thrilled to share it with us at the family reunion. And I looked her up, and I thought, oh, my gosh, you know what? She is doing a fantastic job making real well. Thing is, the same things she's doing now were the same things that were happening 30 years ago. That's how the market had changed and shifted. So we're looking at our consumer promise. What are we promising that customer that we're going to do for them? And, you know... I honestly doubt very many people look at this because you have to say, what is my standard of my quality of my product? Manufacturers do it all the time. They have a deviated standard that they will let you be within, a very small deviated standard that they'll let you be within for that product to still qualify as their quality assurance. But on a mom and pop type of business, do we have that standard that we want our product or service to be. What are your checks and balances to make sure that standard is upheld? A lot of people think, well, if it's done, we check it off the list and we're good to go. But no, you have to consistently look at your standard of your job or your product or your service that you're offering. And are you training your staff to uphold that same standard? Now, I worked at Lambert's with Norman Lambert at the World of Throwed Rose. If you've not hit Lambert's Cafe, I will tell you, Norman had a standard. I can talk about Norman because I love the man to death. Your standard of dress was you had to wear khaki pants, 
suspenders and a brown bow tie with a blue shirt. You, everybody, that was the standard of his restaurant. He played Danny Davis in the Nashville Brass the whole time because he wanted you to be able to have the same feeling no matter if you came in at 6 in the morning or 10 o'clock at night. You had the same experience at Norman's Restaurant. No matter if it was early in the morning or late at night, there were always fresh, hot buttered rolls for you to eat. And there was never a time that you could not get a hot roll at Lambert's. And if you didn't smile, he would make sure you were smiling because he wanted every customer that walked in that restaurant to know that they had an experience when they came to Lambert's Cafe. Love Norman, love Patty. They were wonderful to work for. And I will tell you, they taught me a lot about getting that consistent experience no matter what time of the day you came in. So it's really important that you have these promises and you train your staff to the level of standard that you want your company to be. So finding your price point, you know, and this is the part that is always a little scary. You're looking at your product or service that you're offering and you don't take into account everything that you need to to calculate what your cost should be for that. First time I heard how to do this, I was like, oh my word, no wonder. So you look at your supply cost, time, taxes, facility cost, equipment cost, marketing budget, staff cost, shipping cost, replacement cost, percentage of profit you're wanting, insurance and license. So you take all of this calculation Then you're multiplying it by the year. Then you're dividing it by the hour. Then you're taking your product and you're calculating how much you need to charge for that product to be able to sell to make that amount for the week or the day or the year. And that's how you figure out your goals of what you're wanting to do. So a cupcake at a dollar versus two dollars versus three dollars. Where would it put me on what I need in my price point? And then I'm looking at how much that person is charging down the street for that same product. And does it qualify? So then what about a haircut? Remember I said I was a hairdresser. $5, $7, $15, $30. You know, the neat thing about marketing, you can do a haircut or you can create a haircut for somebody. Which is going to qualify to be charged more? Whether I cut your hair or I created you a haircut. All in the appearance of things. And what about the advertising income if you're online? Are you going to allow other companies to advertise on your product? Because that's one way that online advertisers make money is they allow other companies to have advertisements on their business. And they do contracts that they'll get, you know, five cents every time somebody signs up or more. So look at these options, how you're going to break even, what is it going to cost you, and are you in the right price point for it to make? Because that price point is going to be something you really, really need to look at. So when I figured out my price point for me, what about my price point for my competition? What is their competition's price on it? And am I higher or lower? If I'm lower, have I devalued my product? If I'm higher, do I have the reputation to sustain that product price? If I'm too high, is it too risky that they'll say, no, I can go down the street and I can save 50 cents? What about, do I have a specialty item that they're willing to pay for? Whether it's hair or cooking or restaurant or a service, is there something special I can do? For instance, if I have a cleaning service, I might be a carpet cleaner, but can I clean tile? My specialty might be carpet but I have the ability to clean tiles. So my carpet is my bread and butter money. My tile is my extra money. You see the difference? 
If I'm doing hair, I specialize in corrective hair color. I love to cross compare any color company out there so I could correct color. My specialty was color correction. I specialized in hair weaves. I could weave the hair, the highlights in the hair. Those were my specialty items that I had that people would drive all over to get. My haircuts were my bread and butter money because everybody still had to have haircuts a certain amount of time. In cooking, say we'll use the bakery as the example, my cupcakes might be my specialty items, but I might sell more cookies because my price point, they might want that specialty cupcake, but I have cupcake B that's a little cheaper. And if they're supplying cupcakes for 35 people, they're going to go with B instead of the specialized cupcake. So you always have to have a variety of price points in your store or they will go down the street. So when you've created that budget of how much it costs for you to pay your bills, can you pay yourself? Can you pay your taxes, your insurance? And have you thought about bringing an investor in, somebody that'll help you pay those bills for a while until it gets established. So then you can either keep them as a partner or you can pay them back. Some companies are looking for businesses to invest in. If you can show them a good business plan, they will invest in your company and help you through the hard times because they need tax breaks. But on the flip side, then eventually you'll be profitable because you will be able to have the time it takes to sustain yourself. Where a lot of businesses close because they don't do all the math of what it takes to be successful and they have to close within a year or a year and a half or three because they didn't have that or they overestimated what they were going to do and they expanded too soon and they overshot their expenses and therefore they had to close just because they couldn't sustain that higher level and their pride wouldn't let them downsize so they closed. You have to look at this. So when you've decided how you're going to do this business, how are you going to launch it? How are you going to open the doors and say, hey, everybody, I'm here. You've got to have a logo. You have to have a font, a specific font that you want to use, that that's your font. You have to have a specific color, a design, a style, and a slogan. One of those bylines that says, you know, for ours, it's a credit union, so we're simple and convenient. So you have to have a slogan that says that you're a step above, and what is that going to be? So all of these things are important when you're launching it, but then how are you going to tell them? You know, that branding that we talk about with your logo and your font and your style, we have special products that we know are out there that they are recognizable immediately based on their color, their font, their logos. You know immediately when you see that product what it is. You have to use that same mindset when you are targeting your market. You have to create a logo that's impressive. You have to create a font that is going to be eye-catching. You have to pick the colors. There's a psychology of color. You can look it up. Psychology of color that will actually help you identify your product based on is it matching the color tone in that psychology of color. For health, it's blue. For money, it's green. For energy, it's red. You know, for happy, it's yellow. You, energy is orange. You have to look at these things and see if it's matching up color-wise according to what you're doing. What about the design? Is it modern? Is it going to be impressive or is it going to blend in with everything? The style and your message, your slogan. You want to keep all these things consistent with your branding or your culture for your company because that is going to be a key ingredient to let them identify that company as you. So your marketing plan. How do I create a marketing plan? That's my job. I'm the marketing director. So how do I create that marketing plan? I have a calendar in front of me and I start my calendar now for the next year. And this is 
So I'm already looking for next year's game plan of what I'm going to do. And I write down everything that I know is going on. I write down everything I'm going to do. I write down a rotation of what I'm going to highlight product-wise. I write down the events that are happening, the one-on-ones that I want to take the time to make sure that I I get some of that one-on-one time. I'm looking at my social media. Am I going to have all of the social media pages that are available to me, whether they're free or whether they're paid? Am I going to have a scheduler that's going to be able to plan these posts on my social media? Am I going to create certain promotions? Do I have certain promotions I know that are routinely or every year going to be successful? Or if they're based on a holiday, you know that's going to happen. And what about my doorbuster? What am I going to have for my doorbuster to bring them into my store? Because I have to have a lost lead or something I'm willing to lose money on or not make any profits on to get them in the door so that they'll taste me or they'll see if I'm a cupcake, taste me, or they'll see what I'm going to do if I'm in a service-based business. I have to have something that's going to showcase my skills. So on my advertising strategy, I need to know how much I'm going to spend in that. And you know, this is where a lot of companies fail. They might have the best product out there, but nobody knows. Nobody told them. You know, they might have the best barbecue there is, but you know what? Nobody even knows they're open or where they're at. And there's only so much word of mouth you can do. Word of mouth is great, but if they don't know to come in here to give you the word of mouth, it doesn't do any good. Your handful of friends or, you know, your 300 favorite friends might tell somebody once, but they're not going to sit there and constantly say, hey, you need to go to XYZ Cupcake Store or XYZ Barbecue. You need to make sure that you have a marketing budget so that you can identify who you are and let the world know so that you're available. What makes you unique? How can you showcase that uniqueness? So what makes me unique and showcasing that uniqueness with it still feeling a a little humble, not too prideful, but excited for that product? It's important for you to know. And your culture, your brand culture is going to express that. For instance, if I had one product and only one product and I only sold one product and all of my people in my company were pushy, bossy, because they only had one product to sell. Would that be a culture that I wanted? Or would I want them to say, this is the best product, and so that's why we only sell the best. But say it in a way that it was an inviting nature that we want you to be a part of the best choice. I hope I'm conveying that thought to you because that's where you want to think about your culture, how you express your products is going to be important. And your staff has to relay that same culture. Distribution. How are you going to send it out? So if I'm online, I have certain avenues I do online. It could be buying my own website. It could be being a part or a portion of other websites that share like conversations. If I'm a blogger, if I'm in a product base, I've got to ship it. I have to deliver it. Can it be delivered electronically or do I have to go face to face? Because I used to cold call. I was a beauty supply. I sold on the road. So I would deliver the products that I sold. I would ship some according to how quickly they needed that order. But most of the time I would deliver it the next week. So I was face to face. So what does that distribution cost? Because you've got mileage. You've got the car. You've got wear and tear. You've got your clothes. You've got food you have to eat out then. So you have to stop and think about these distributions. How are you going to get it there? Once your product is available, how are you going to get it in the public's hands? So then sustainability. The last thing we're going to look at is the sustainability of that company. And you always look at everything by the month, six months, 12 months. 
you always keep a chart showing you your highs and lows and then you do it yearly so you can keep track of your sales by year so you know what's your high month, what's your low month so that you can prepare for them as you finally get a history. And it takes three years for you to actually see a solid reference of what's going to be your good months or your bad months because every business has them. So you want to know financially what's going on and what's your next goal. Are you going to expand or is it time for you to downsize? You know, there's no pain in downsizing and still being strong, nor is there any more or less pride in, in expansion. So you want to make sure that you're, what you're doing, you're doing well and you're doing the best before you expand. And then once you expand, if you cannot continue with the same level of expertise, then downsize. Make sure you stay within the area that shows that you're the expert in that field. And I can guarantee you, if you meet the needs of others, you'll never have to worry about meeting the need for yourself. We hope you enjoyed the educational workshops that are available to you online. Zoe's Club was created for educational purposes only. It is to encourage you to do more with your life, to be smarter with some of your decisions, search out some of those experts in those fields, whether it's a financial advisor, an accountant, an attorney, make sure you get those mentors so that you will have a strong future. Once again, have a great day from Zoe's Club. Zoe's Club, Zoe's Club, we come together in Zoe's Club, we're saving Ozark Federal Credit Union at 573-686-7221. Membership eligibility required. Federally insured by NCUA.